you made it to level two, deeper questions leading to deeper answers. I'm Tomas Garza, and I'm here to help you decide to transform. I'll be setting the pace for the process to support your unfolding. Learn and commit to a practice that brings simplicity and an awareness of what is ready to be released. Join me now and allow the experience of a deeper sense of love. Hello and welcome to Decide to Transform. I'm your host, Tomas Garza, and we have a very special guest in store for you today, a wonderful interview. Joining me from Tucson, Arizona is an Ontario native, Deirdre Maloney. Uh, Deirdre is very involved in women's health and holistic healing. She's a holistic healing mentor and the author of the self-help book, Unfold Me, and a passionate advocate for all mental health, setting an example for people of self-acceptance. Deirdre is actually one of Canada's best-known competitive cyclists and has the first all-female competitive cycling team called Highgate Racing. And she joins us today again from Tucson, Arizona. Deirdre, welcome. Oh, thank you so much. What a generous uh, intro you have for me. Thank you. Uh, you're most welcome. And uh, f- frankly, uh, there's so much here that uh, that I want to talk about. But first, let's talk about the fact that you're on the road and you're traveling. You're from Ontario. You're joining us today from Arizona. So how long have you been traveling? Uh, we left Ontario, Canada on December 18th. And uh, so it's been uh, about two and a half months now. And we'll be away for at least another two months. Okay. This, yeah. And, and this is a yearly trip we do. So every year we leave at the same time and we spend the winter away. We're snowbirds mm-hmm. and uh, we're a little bit young. So it feels weird calling ourselves snowbirds because I'll just be turning 41 this year. My husband's turning 39. No, I got you. And, um, but we just love the lifestyle. Who wouldn't, right? Exactly. Yeah. Who wouldn't? And a lot of the listeners that know me know that I've been a part of this lifestyle as well. Now, where have you all been? Um, You're in Arizona now, and this is an annual event. So what are some of the best places that you've been to? Well, in the winter, we usually stick to North America. Uh, We have traveled to France with the kids. And my husband and I have been to Hawaii and Greece a few different places Uh, but generally the last few years we've stuck to North America because we like to take the car with us because it saves us a lot of money you don't want to have to rent a vehicle when you get over to the other side right yes Um, yeah so that um, that's been key for us and we just love the United States it's so vast and so beautiful and as well as Canada is too but Mm -hmm. you know winters are harsh there and uh, it's lovely to come over to the United States Uh, we started this year out actually in Florida so we were all the way over <laughs> on the one okay. side, and then we drove all the way to Arizona with three kids, the dog, all our bikes, the van mm. is just packed up to the roof, and uh, we did 34 hours straight driving to get to Arizona. Okay, wow. So 34 hours straight, that's quite a road trip. Now, how'd the kids hold up during that? Surprisingly well. Okay. Um, they did a lot better this year than they did last year. Um, last year, we drove home to Canada from Arizona straight. 
and the little guy didn't sleep much. The youngest is only uh, two and a half. So you can imagine that's a lot of sitting time for him. Yeah. Yeah. So he did a lot better this year, which was great. And the kids, they don't love that long travel. They, we used to do it where we would stop. So we would drive seven hours per day. We'd get a hotel, we'd eat out for dinner. We'd use the pool, the gym. We kind of turn this uh, a week of travel to wherever we were headed into an event um but because of covid it's you know you're not sure what states are open or is the pool open what restaurants is you know so all these restrictions on we just thought you know what let's just get straight to where we're going because we know it's open there right when we were going to florida and so let's uh, just get straight there and same with arizona we know it's open here so let's just get straight there and settle in so that's what we did this year and we actually really liked it we didn't feel too tired we found actually traveling for the week doing 7 hours a day more exhausting than just doing the the overnight travel and arriving. So that was really interesting too, because I would have thought it would be different. Okay. Well, and, um, you know, it's, you make a really interesting point. So for the listeners, those that may be listening two or three years from now, thank you very much for tuning in, first of all, to this conversation. But we're recording this during the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic, and the response of different U.S. states has been completely diverse and all over the map and yes. some some are very shut down and locked down and others are not locked down at all <laughs> so, yeah yeah well it's interesting you say that because normally like last year we went to California so we spent two months in California then we came for two months to Arizona we wanted to repeat that this year but because California was so locked down we said well, well we can't go there right I mean it's just it's crazy what's going on over there right now so we chose Florida because it's the open state. Okay. Yeah. And it's really interesting this year with all of the travel restrictions and things that, that people have to plan. But eventually, you have to think that we'll be able to travel freely again, like we used to. And you'll still be doing the same thing, right? Yeah. My it. dream is to do, uh, you know, around the world trip to take a year off and uh, because we homeschool our kids. So that's another way we're able to do this is we're homeschooling these kids. Mm-hmm, and I would mm-hmm. love to, to do kind of like a backpack, you know, around the world with them for a year and just go hop different countries. So, yes, hopefully things open up again for for us all travel freely. I I think that they will. Now, I mean, as as someone that's doing this right now, especially during this climate, there there have to be a lot of people that are watching you on social media. And and what would you say to the people that are itching to do exactly what you're doing right now? I say just go for it. You know, we, we really have to lose the fear, right? I think a lot of people right now, they're just so scared and they're so fearful. And the media and, you know, some governments are, are really pumping this into people. And I think, you know, if you're healthy and, you know, there's no reason that you can't travel right now, we can, we can still travel and be safe right? There's no reason I'm here, you know, in the home with my family. We're not out, you know, in massive groups everywhere. We're doing what we would do at home here. So it's just as safe as if we were at home. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And this is something that, um, you know, when I was traveling, I used to say, just do it. Because I mean, this was not during a pandemic when my wife and I lived in Mexico. And then people would say, oh, well, I'll do that one day. Mm. Right. Or, or, and now you're doing this um, and, and you've been doing it 
for for years. And now you're also highly involved in, you have your bikes. Tell us about the cycling community and your cycling team. Yeah, so my husband and I are super passionate about cycling. We're both competitive cyclists and I'm the founder of Canada's largest all-female competitive cycling team, Highgate Racing. Um, We have about 24 women on the team and we have uh, women that uh, compete at the master's level, so which is age 30 and up for women. And then we also have um, a U23 team. We have about six athletes there. So this is under 23. Most of these girls are still in school. You know, they're working jobs. So I have a sponsorship program for them to help provide them with some financial assistance, um, some products, recycling um, that help them take the cost of cycling down because it's a really expensive sport. I'm really passionate about helping keep young women in sport because there's not a lot of support for them there. And, you know, I I believe sport changed my life. It saved my marriage. It um, was my first form of meditation and it, uh, you know, releases stress and anxiety, keeps your body healthy. So I'm just really passionate about people in sport, but especially girls, because, I think once you get to a certain age as a female where that support's not there and there's not a strong female community, it's hard to stay in the sport. It's easy to leave. So I really like supporting the young girls on my team. It's something I'm passionate about. And I think it's something that our team is really well known for in Canada um, that, you know, we have this program and um, you know, these young women, they really like being a part of it. So yeah, it's, uh, it's fun. And so this is why my husband and I, travel through the winter because we want to ride our bikes outside and we can't do that in Canada. So we find really cool spots and Tucson is just beautiful. The mountains here are yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Great cycling yeah. community. It, it really is. And for the listeners, I, I live in Phoenix and um, right here in Arizona, Tucson is very beautiful. There's no question about that. Now, uh, Deirdre, I'm really interested in some of your experience around this because I think it's very interesting that you say sport was one of uh, was a form of meditation and that it saved your marriage. So where mm-hmm. were you prior to finding sport in this case? Yeah, so I think I've always been, you know, into fitness since about the age of 20. Mm-hmm. Uh, but finding sport, I actually, after my third child, so it would have been the second child with my husband, we had two kids back to back, just a year apart. Okay. And so the, I had a one-year-old and a newborn baby. And, you know, I had postpartum depression. I had already been diagnosed with bipolar disorder and was medicated for that at the time. Um, so, you know, my mental health was not strong at this, at this time. And so my marriage was suffering because of it. I also had my oldest daughter was 12, 13. So she's kind of starting to go into that stage of hormonal and, you know, she, her father wasn't involved in her life. So she was struggling too. And so the home for me, it was just a really stressful place because I had this teenager that was going off course then I had a one-year-old and a newborn and I have postpartum depression there was nothing left to give my husband like I was just leave me alone stay away from me you know we were starting to fight all the time we would fight a lot about my oldest daughter because it's his stepdaughter so I would always pull the card well she's not your daughter you don't understand right Uh, when he would want to try to discipline or like give his advice Mm -hmm. I felt I didn't feel like I could 100% trust that he was coming from a good place in his heart because I thought maybe he's just bothered by her or you know I I had some 
thoughts, okay. some negative thought patterns around that, um, that I've since fixed and apologized for because I really didn't treat him properly in that area at that time. So what happened is we just weren't spending time together. And we said, you know, we really got to do something here because our marriage is going to fall apart. We're hanging on by a thread. Okay. And I said, you know, why don't we start running? Because it'll help me get back in shape. You know, it's going to put me in a better mood um, because exercise releases those endorphins. It's so important. And then we're going to spend quality time together. So we went out, we hired ourselves a coach and we met her once a week and we did running intervals on a track. And then she gave us a program for the rest of the week. So we start, you know, spending time together and we were really enjoying it. And it ended up, she was a professional triathlete. So eventually she's like, why don't you buy a bike? Hey, try swimming. Okay. So <laughs> eventually we got into triathlon and we fell head over heels in love with it. And that's uh, eventually, you know, we just moved on to cycling because the running was just too hard on our bodies to do it at that high level, the competitive level, right? Sure, I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can yeah. imagine. So mm -hmm. the, the meditative part, I would say, is that, you know, when you go out for a run or you go out for a bike ride, you, you kind of get into this zone, right? And you can just, you, you have to focus on what you're doing. You have to be in the present moment because you need to watch where's your foot landing or where's your bike, is there cracks? So you're really mindful of what's going on around you. And so you, you can't, sometimes you can get lost and slip away, but you do kind of have to be in that present moment. So that's where I, I, I associate it with mindfulness, right? And, and mm -hmm. sort of a, a, mm -hmm. my first introduction to meditation, even though I didn't know at the time, that's what I was doing, right? Okay, yeah. yes. Uh, okay, so as a meditation instructor, I have to tell you, I love that. Just yeah. Kind of snuck it in there. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's like making kids eat their vegetables, their green yeah. vegetables, right? Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. And that's what yeah. I love about yoga too, is you can mm -hmm. introduce people to it. They don't realize necessarily that mindfulness piece. And I just, it's, it's beautiful. And then later on, once I got into meditation, like for real, then I could look back and be like, oh, I've sort of done this already. Okay. You know, it's, uh, we take these little steps and we don't know necessarily where they're going, but um, it's interesting when you look back hindsight 2020, right? It, it is. It's really fascinating when you look at a journey like that, whether it's meditation or yoga or anything um, in that, in that category. Now, what does your daily practice look like now, as far as the, the meditation goes? Uh, we do about 20 minutes as a family. So as soon as the oh. two and a half year old goes to bed, mm -hmm. we put on a, um, we have an app that we share and uh, we just pick a meditation. So we'll do 15 to 20 minutes and we sit with the kids, the two other kids, and we all close our eyes and, you know, we, we sit in the moment and we do our meditation. Then I also yeah. sometimes do it on my own, you know, if I'm feeling a little stressed or if I notice my husband's stress, I'll say, okay, come on, let's go. Let's do a meditation. Um, it's saved my life. And honestly, I was medicated. I told you earlier for bipolar disorder for about 14 <laughs> years, the doctors right. told me I would never, ever come off this medication. I've been off the medication for two years since meditating every day, regularly. I truly believe that our brains can be rewired back to health after experiencing trauma. If we take the right steps and we're supported and we have a we have that guideline, that base of, you know, exercise, nutrition, mindfulness practice. Yeah. Now this plays into your work then as a holistic healing mentor then, doesn't it? So uh, tell us what you mean by holistic healing mentor. 
Yeah. So holistic healing to me is, you know, using those aspects, like I said, the exercise, nutrition, Mm -hmm. and mindfulness practice, uh, because I was medicated for so long and I'm not knocking medication. I think medication is a great place for people to start. You know, sometimes you can't just start meditating and exercising and eating healthy and then all of a sudden feel better. It's a practice. It takes time, right? And so in during that time, you may need medication if you've experienced trauma or you're depressed or you have some other mental health issues. You may need that medication to just help you be able to stick to a healthy routine. And then once that healthy routine is set in, then maybe with the guidance of your doctor, you may want to consider trying to come off the medication if you can stick to your mindfulness practice. So I guess that's what I advocate for is I I think that, you know, in the medical world, people get diagnosed and they get put on medications. And then it's sort of like, this is what's wrong with you. This is what you need to do. And then you just get stuck there. And, and then you almost use it as a crutch, like, well, I have bipolar disorder. So it makes sense that I do that. You know, I'm, I'm, I have high anxiety, right. And then you can almost use it as an excuse to not, you know, have this personal growth. But I, I truly believe because I mean, there's nobody, there's not many people that were lower in life than I was. Like I just was at the bottom right? You know, I've been homeless. I've been addicted to drugs. I've been on welfare. You know, I had the teenage pregnancy. I was a a prostitute. It's just things were not looking good for me. There's no reason that I should be living the life I am today, except that I started to believe in myself. And I started these holistic methods to take care of myself. So, so that's where I stand. The mentor is I'm not a coach. I don't have time to coach people. Um, as a job, you know, I homeschool my kids. I'm passionate with my husband. We like our activities, our sports. So I really need to, I want to give back to the community. And so that's where I say I'm a mentor, where I just like to put out content for people that they can see how I'm living my lifestyle, where I've been, where I am, and kind of the journey of how I got there, which is what my book is about. And, um, yeah, just to show them that, that, you know, it is possible to to be healthy again and, and that we don't have to get like stuck with a label. Yeah, we, we really don't. And yours is a tremendous story that you cover in your book, Unfold Me. And you just mentioned a number of things uh, just a second ago that I think we could talk about on many different podcast episodes. But um <laughs> And before we, we before we venture into some of that, there's a great story about how people are able, each of us is capable of making the kind of decisions and transitions that you have made. How old were you when you started taking the bipolar medication? Yeah, I was uh, 26. Uh, okay. Let's say maybe 25 years old, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 25. 25. Yeah. And it was okay. life changing. It just, it, it changed my life. It was a blessing that I got on that medication back then. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think there are a lot of people that were on medications like that, that would say the exact same thing. And uh, you know, maybe they're off them now, maybe they're not, but uh, take us through some of, of your book then uh, unfold me and, and some of your journey, because it, you're, it's designed as we've talked about to help readers shift shame that they might be experiencing in their own lives. So would you Mm -hmm. say some more about that? 
Yeah. So I felt a lot of shame and how this book came to fruition is I, after my last child, so baby number four, I was 37 years old, 36. I I had a complete meltdown breakdown um, because the shame of my past was so heavy on me. And I was in the cycling community. Nobody knew about my past. I was hiding it from everybody. The only Mm -hmm. person that knew was my husband. And I had a really close girlfriend that knew. And I was just terrified that if people found out anything about my past, that they wouldn't accept me. The cycling community wouldn't want anything to do with me. And so I felt like I was sort of living this fake life, like trying to be the Martha Stewart, you know, always cooking and baking and making everything perfect and, you know, making everyone happy. And I had this breakdown when I got pregnant with baby number four, because he was an IUD pregnancy. We weren't planning on having more kids. Okay. So it was, it was a little bit devastating to, to find out I was pregnant at 37 when we were starting to get ready to do this lifestyle, right? Travel and everything was like, oh, how's this going to work with a baby, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, um, a really difficult time and I got myself into a women's healing circle and started sharing my story. I said, I got to get this out. I got to, I got to let someone know what is going on. And these women, they accepted me they wrapped their arms around me. They loved me. And then I thought, okay, you know, if these ladies accept me, you know, maybe other people will too. And I just came to the realization that I can't be alone. There's gotta be other women, men, people out there just hiding something because they feel like they won't be accepted Mm -hmm. and I thought if I can share my story and let other people know hey grade eight level education here prostitution drug addiction but I still live my dream life I'm still married I have beautiful kids I I travel I do anything that I want to do and I believe in myself if I can do this you can do it too and so I thought that's my opportunity to write the book, to have someone read my story and then look at it and say, oh, wow, if she can accept herself after doing all of that, then maybe I can accept myself too. And that's my goal is I just want people yeah. to accept and love themselves. Absolutely. And you are absolutely correct. There are people out there, women and men who are hiding something, whatever that is. And this is a, a very profound message that uh, the healing is possible. Mm-hmm. So uh, how, how old were you when you got involved in drugs? Yeah, I was really young. I would say by 12, I was drinking alcohol quite regularly, like, mm-hmm. you know, every week, smoking cigarettes. Mm-hmm. And then by 13, I had tried pot. And then 14, it was game on acid, mushrooms, you know, LS, everything. By 15, I had tried crack, cocaine, heroin. And then at that point, by the age of 15, I was pretty addicted. Like I was on drugs at least three or four days a week. I wasn't going to school. I was, um, you know, bumming around on the streets of Toronto, going to raves, these kind of underground parties yeah, and hanging out with really unsavory people. And all I wanted to do was disappear. You know, I had been sexually abused as a child. So that's, that's where the pain was coming from mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you know my parents they they didn't support me when when everything came out the par- my parents didn't support me the police didn't support me they said I was lying about it as well as children's aid so you know you have all these people that are supposed to protect you oh. but they didn't oh. 
And then at the age of 10, I was raped by a 16 year old. You can imagine, I mean, I have a nine year old daughter now and I look at her and I just think, my God, that is just way too young to be experiencing something like that. But at the time I was just searching for love because I equated love with sexual acts because of the sexually abuse I had experienced. I thought this is what men want. And, um, so I felt a lot of shame, like even at that young age, I knew what I was doing was wrong, but I thought that that's what men wanted. So I went with it because I was desperate to have love. Yeah. And um, because of that shame that I was feeling, that's where the drugs have to come in because now you need to numb those feelings and it just becomes this really vicious circle. Okay. And and you were involved in that then for several years. But what enabled you to get out of that? Well, I got pregnant at the age of 18. So I had my daughter when I was 19. Okay. So that got me off of the drugs because as soon as I found out I was pregnant, I just quit everything cold turkey. Um, cigarettes, alcohol, and cocaine and crack is actually what I was mostly using at that time. And I I moved back home and I got myself a job and I saved all my money. I just got into this mindset like, okay, I'm going to have this baby. I need to straighten myself out. And I was able to straighten myself out for a good few years. Like I I think I had about three solid years of being sober and just being a really mindful parent as best as I could at that young age anyways. And, but I was still with this abusive boyfriend that, you know, I'd had the baby with, and he went to prison for some of that time, which is why I was able to stay so healthy minded because he wasn't with me. But as soon as he got out of prison and was back in my life, he started using drugs again and reintroduced them to me. So I guess at the age when my daughter was about three, I got back on drugs for about two years. It was sort of like a weekend thing, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, she would go to his mom's for the weekend, we would just party. And then Finally, after a year or so of that, he left me because I was constantly like, we can't be doing this. We need to change. And then he eventually just found someone else that wanted to keep that party going. He left, which was a blessing. I was devastated at the time. I thought, how am I going to survive? And now I look back and I say that the girl that he left me for is my guardian angel because she came down to save me from the life that I was never meant to live. Okay. Yeah. 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 Do you know this woman then? And, and... I had, I, you know what? I don't think I've ever actually met her in person. I do know her and I've seen pictures of her. They're not together anymore, of course. Um, that didn't last. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I consider her my guardian angel. Yeah. And another thing that really was life-changing for me is uh, the book, The Secret. So I read that when I was about 25. I had okay. just gotten yeah. off the drugs and cleaned up. Um it was someone that confronted me in the gym is how I really got off the drugs because I was still using them after her father left me. Okay. Um, he was yeah. actually a cocaine dealer. So I would just go to one of his guys and say, give me some stuff, put it on his bill. So I would, I could get free drugs at any time, which is not great for someone who's addicted. Right. So I got confronted by someone that I worked at the gym with. I was a personal trainer, which is kind of funny, right? I'm a personal trainer in the health industry. And then I'm doing these drugs all weekend long. Uh, It's just a mess. Um, He confronted me. You know, I had the scabs under my nose every Monday morning when I came into work. I was tired. You could tell I hadn't been sleeping. So he asked me if I was partying, doing drugs. Finally, I admit that, yes, I am, but it's not a problem. And he scolded me 
he's like, you are a mother. How dare you do this? Like you are responsible for a human life to be an example. And those were the words I needed to hear. I was, it just was a slap in the face. Called all my friends. I told them I can't hang out anymore. And uh, I got into therapy. I got on the medication for the bipolar disorder. And I read the book, The Secret. And that book was the first introduction to the power of positive thought, which I had never learned about before. No one had ever taught me that you could change the way you think. I thought you were stuck with whatever was going on in there. <laughs> yeah. Right? Well, I think that most of us that are, you know, in our, in our 40s, 50s were raised to think that, yeah, we're just dropped here. Here we are. Now make the best of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because yeah. our parents didn't have those skills, right? They, they, no one had ever taught them that. So yeah, no. you know, it's yeah. luck to be able to pick up that book. And, and, and tell us a little bit more about the impact then of the book on you. I mean, you mentioned just a second ago, it was your first introduction to positive thinking. So how else did this go to work on you? Yeah, I really paid attention specifically to relationships and finances. Those two chapters, Mm -hmm. they Mm -hmm. were the most impactful Mm -hmm. on me. And I followed everything they said to a T. I actually still have the check at home that I wrote that would be more than 12 years ago to myself for $100 million. Because they said, write yourself a check. Make it like an amount that is just poof, you know? So I was like, okay, so I wrote the check to myself, signed my name, and I still have the check at home. It actually hangs on my bathroom wall at home. I have like an affirmation wall in my bathroom. And, you know, at the time I was living at home with my parents. I just had a really low income job. You know, I had no idea how I was ever going to achieve anything, buy a house or be, you know, have a decent job or income, like just no clue on how any of it was going to happen. But I followed the, the, the instructions to a T, you know, they tell you to feel it. And I would feel chills. I would just think about this dream life that I didn't know I was going to achieve. And I would get chills over it. And the relationship chapter, I followed to a T, I would actually go around and tell people that I'm already married. I just haven't met my husband yet, but he's out there and he loves me so much. Yeah. And when I would say that, I would actually feel it like this excitement inside. I met my husband two months after and we got engaged within six months and married within a year and a half. And now it's been 12 years of absolute bliss. Yeah. Uh, So that, that book is, it's, it's a powerful book if you are really able to embody its um, intentions. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, when you work with, with let's say, young women as, as a healing mentor, uh, you know, what, uh, how do you work with them? I mean, what uh, do you use books like The Secret? Or what is your yeah. process like? So I buy the book for lots of young women. So okay. I actually mm-hmm. just sent one back home to a young girl that I know she's not in my, on my cycling team, but um, I can just tell she she's ready to really, you know, embody the message. So I, I surprised her and sent her that book. Um, I bought the book for every youth on my team. Um, I also um, get them to do creative writing. So um, we have a Highgate Racing has a blog. And so I'll get each of the girls, you know, monthly to write 
a blog about whatever their experiences in, in cycling and to really focus on like how they're feeling, right? To like get in touch with, you know, how they're feeling about stuff. And that's what I love so much about writing is it really, mm-hmm. it forces you to look at things in another perspective because you know people are going to read it. So you kind of have to think of it outside of yourself a little bit, right? And I, yes. I think that's, it's, it's yeah. such a beautiful thing. So yeah. I find that one of the best tools is, is writing writing stuff down. So, th- so that's um, what I do with them. I try to work on that building up that idea that we are controllers of our thoughts, that we can create powerful, positive thinking, and um, to help them cultivate some writing habits. Okay. Yeah. And now are all of these young women a part of the cycling team or do they come from other areas as well? Uh, mostly the the young women that I work with right now, yeah, are on the cycling team. Um, we're I'm just about to launch actually a women's healing circle, so mm-hmm. we're going to be connecting um, with some women in the com- community. Me and one of my friends that I partner up with, and in there we're going to just work on um, trying to process different things by, you know, coming up with like what's the story you're telling yourself in your head. So I think that that's a yeah. lot of the time is we hold ourselves back because because of an imaginary story like I can't travel because you know when I get there or or my family's gonna think I'm a bad person and my community's gonna judge me and we tell ourselves all this stuff but that's just the story right we don't know if that's true or not so why would we not why would we listen to something that's just maybe not real Mm -hmm. right Right. And what you're talking about is human experience, because we all have these stories. And you have done a lot of work on yourself to be able to, number one, recognize them for what they are, so then they can be released and let go, reframed, however, however you want to do it. Now, when you work with young women, are there other things, other techniques or methods that you use to help them shift um, shame that they might be feeling about their own past or their own lives? No, I think just the writing and meditation, of course, introducing Mm -hmm. them to meditation, because that's a time when, you know, we're, if we're telling ourselves these stories and we have these made up things, if we can sit and do a meditation and come to the present moment. And a lot of times in these guided medications, they're prompting you, right. To just, okay, that thought came in, but now you can just let it go. Watch it go to the side. You don't have to get caught up in the story. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I think it's really helpful. I mean, when I started meditating, we didn't have cell phones or the internet. Uh, if this was the 1980s. So I didn't have apps like Insight Timer that would tell me anything. I just thought I was doing it wrong when I'd have random thoughts. So yeah. Well, I think that's important for people to understand too, is that meditation is not about being quiet. It's right. about allowing the thoughts to come and recognizing it and then letting them continue to move on. Right. It's not meant that your mind goes completely blank and you don't think at all. Right. It's, I don't think that's possible. I mean, maybe some people can do that, but I ain't one of them. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I'm not even, <laughs> I, I still start thinking about street tacos or, or, or you know, something fun yeah, or, or a yeah. hike. I don't know. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. All of a sudden I'm out riding my bike in the, <laughs> Yes. In my mind, right? Yeah. And and to, along the writing theme, which I think is really wonderful, you know, it does force another perspective because somebody is going to be reading it. Now you're at work on another book right now. Tell us a little bit about that, if you don't mind. 
Yeah, well, right now the second book is a cookbook. So it's a okay. plant-based cookbook. I've okay. been eating plant-based for about seven years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had a lot of shame, like around body image, around eating. I used to binge eat a lot. So oh. that was something that, that transferred over when I stopped using the drugs. Well, you you got to fill it with something. And I filled it with food. That was my new addiction. So what I would do is I would starve myself all week and then I would binge eat on the weekends. So that was my sort of drug replacement. Okay. And it's when I started eating a plant-based diet, it changed my relationship with food because now I was mindful about what I was eating. Mm-hmm. Where's my food from, right? Like how is it grown? Um, you know, animal agriculture, and um just the health benefits behind the food like you know how is this affecting my body and so when i started looking at food from that different angle i was able to release this the binge eating that i had been doing which was a blessing so that's also Mm -hmm. i love promoting a plant-based diet i I like um i think it's you know really healthy and um it's you know a great way for mindful eating and it's just great for the environment and the animals and all that stuff. So, so I, I love it. And uh, so I put together a plant-based cookbook because I'm super passionate about cooking and food and my husband and I, because we do the competitive sport, you know, we eat pretty clean and pretty healthy. So I thought, you know, why not share these recipes with everybody? Then it was also a way for me to give back to my cycling team because 10% of the profits will go to my youth development program. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So that's it. fun. So that's almost done. That, that it should be out in a few weeks. In a few weeks. Um, what's the title? Uh, Unfold, unfolding in the kitchen because Unf- I was my book is unfold me and this is unfolding in the kitchen. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's play with this picture of unfolding. I I, I like this. What does mm-hmm. that mean to you? It's, yeah. It's unfolding. in both your book titles. Yeah. It was really easy for me to come up with, and I'll tell you why. Okay. I have a really yeah. good girlfriend, her, and her name is Paulina Allen. And she was okay. a professional triathlete in Canada. She's very well known in, in um, the sporting community. Um, she's been to Kona, competed at uh, you know the highest level of triathlon that you can compete at. And I was at a, um, she was winning an award, uh, a sports-related award, and was being inducted to the Hall of Fame in her town. And her speech, she said that uh, she coaches swimmers, young swimmers, and she said that her young swimmers, her young athletes are like butterflies just coming out of the cocoon. And as they emerge, their wings need to be unfolded so very delicately because they're just so precious and, and, you know, you need to take care of them. And it's this gentle process of allowing them to fully bloom. And I was listening to her and I sort of got tears in my eyes and I thought, oh, If someone had have thought of me that way as a child, Mm. someone had have wanted to unfold me delicately, how different would things have been? So I said, you know, this is my time to unfold myself delicately. And as soon as I I have a blog, it's called The Unfolding Project. And that's where I first started um, exposing a little bit of my story to see, test the waters and see how it would be received because I was terrified. I was terrified. I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, and that went well. So I thought, okay, we're going to go with the book. So unfold me is just about me unfolding myself. And so I just stayed with the unfolding theme and we went unfolding in the kitchen. This is how I unfold in the kitchen. (laughs) I I love the theme of of unfolding. So in the unfolding project, are you surprised at all by the, the positive support that you got when you began to share your story a piece at a time? 
Yeah, I am. Like, you know, certain people would reach out to me that I never imagined were following along or anything. And they would just say, wow, you know, I'm, I'm really enjoying your journey and what an amazing, you know, life you've had. And this is just, thank you for sharing so vulnerably because it makes me feel not alone. Right. And I get a lot yeah. of messages like that and, Good. and that makes it all worthwhile, right. For, for any of the negative, um, feedback I've gotten which really isn't very much Good. Uh, more that's more just from my family <laughs> oh. that don't want yeah. me exposing these things right I, I see. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah generally people have been really um, great about it yeah okay well and you know I very much appreciate your your candor and your willingness to share here on on this podcast so thank you so much for for being willing and open to do that uh, oh yeah it really impacts a lot of people because you never know who's out there listening right now who uh, is dying to say reach out to you because you've been there and you've moved through and beyond this. So, how would people get a hold of you if they'd like to find out more information about you, your journey, and what you're involved in? Yeah. So, my blog is theunfoldingproject.com. And then my website is dmaloney, D E E maloney.com. And then they can get into my um, Facebook and my uh, Instagram, everything from there. I have a great uh, wellness group on Facebook. It's called Wellness From Within. And um, we're in there every day, you know, helping to motivate people on their wellness journey, whether it's with mindfulness, nutrition, or exercise. Okay. And that's Wellness From Within, a Facebook group, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, so it's the unfoldingproject.com, which is your blog, and D Maloney, D E E M A L O N E Y.com. Yeah. Did I get that yeah. spelling right? You got it. I often get that wrong, but this, that's <laughs> the one. Okay. At dmaloney.com to find out a little bit more about you and what you're up to. And the cookbook is coming out in a few weeks. Yes. Congratulations on that. That's going Thank to be you. fun as well. So, Judah, before we wrap up here, there's been a lot that, that you've shared. So number one, thank you again for being willing to do that because you never know who's out there that was dying to hear your message today, wherever they are. What else would you add before we wrap up for people? Yeah, I think just, um, you know, don't, when you're feeling in that fear place, which I feel like a lot of people do live from there, mm-hmm. um, just know that there, there is more out there and, and reach out for help. Like connection is so important. We need to be connected. So whether you're connecting with a good friend or you get connected with a therapist, you know, talk about things, share things in a safe place where you feel comfortable, because that's when things change. When we keep things bottled up inside, that's where they stay. And it's so much turmoil. If you can learn to voice it, it's releasing it. So even if it's writing it on paper, it's saying it out loud, just just get it out. Yeah, you won't regret it. That's for sure. Yeah, you you definitely won't regret it. And you're living proof of the fact. Yeah. That and it's not to say that it's easy, though, right? Like, I think sometimes me sitting here just do, 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 can make it seem like this is an easy process. There was a lot of pain. There was a lot of struggle. I, I'm not going to lie, but but it is worth it. Right. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really, really excellent point is there's a difference between simple and easy 
and uh, yeah, these, these decisions are, are not easy. And as you said, mm -hmm. it is most definitely a process with ups yeah. and downs and, and stops <laughs> and starts. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, Deirdre, this has been wonderful. I really very much appreciate you joining me here on the show today. Thank you. This has been so much fun and a pleasure. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you to all the listeners. And this has been Decide to Transform with Deirdre Maloney, who's back off to cycle in beautiful Tucson, Arizona. All right, if it's winter where you are, where you're listening, then, uh, well, it'll be over with someday very soon. All right. Everybody, thank you all for tuning in. Have a great rest of your day. <laughs>